Well, it is a pleasure to be here tonight to share with you what God has been putting on my heart for probably a few months. So I'd like you to open up to the book of Jonah, chapter 1, and we are going to look at the first seven verses. And if you follow along with me, verses 1 through 7 of Jonah, chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because their wickedness has confronted me. However, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Then the Lord hurled a violent wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down into the lower part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, what are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots. Then we will know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots and the lot singled out Jonah. We live in a day today that there's a tremendous amount of great Christian music. One of the great groups that are very popular today is uh, Mercy Me. And I know they're going to be up at the Harvest Crusade with Greg Laurie in in a couple weeks. But one of their songs is Word of God Speak. And uh, I was just listening to it and reading it this morning. And that's my prayer right now for us. And I'm just going to read a little bit of uh, the song. It says, Word of God Speak. Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God, speak. I'm finding myself in the midst of you, beyond the music, beyond the noise. All that I need is to be with you. And in the quiet, hear your voice. And that's my prayer for all of us tonight, that we can just be in that place, free from any of the distractions that went on today, free of any of the concerns that we have tonight or tomorrow, that we can really hear what the Lord is saying to us at this time. If you look at verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. You know, it's so cool, isn't it, that we can gather anytime we want, whether it's by ourselves or with a group on a Wednesday or a Sunday or whenever, to hear the word of the Lord, to anticipate what he has to say to us. And I just want part of this uh, teaching tonight for me is a testimony of mine from the last maybe couple years. So I'll be tying a couple things in with it. But Jonah, his name means dove. And when you think of dove, you think of peace. And we're going to see right here that Jonah really didn't live up to his name. He didn't bring peace to where it was supposed to be. And a lot of times I feel like I'm a Jonah in this sense, 
that I don't bring peace where it's supposed to be. And Amittai, his dad, his name means my truth. So Jonah was a son of my truth. So wherever Jonah was supposed to go, his characteristic was to bring truth and peace. You and I know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And the only way that the Prince of Peace will be brought to a world today is through people like you and me. And boy, I'll tell you, some of the, I can really uh, relate to Jonah because so much of verses 1 through 7 is a reflection of me and my attitude so many times. And it's so cool the past couple of months, some of the things that the Lord has been doing in my life that I'll try to bring out as we go through more of Jonah. In verse 2, it says, Go to the great city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was the capital city, and it was also the home of this guy named Ninus, or Ninus. And I looked it up, and he was a legendary husband of Semiramis, and he was the founder of Nineveh. And I was just thinking, here was the, this guy, this was this guy's home, and it was named after him. Right away, I ever thought of a guy like Donald Trump, how he has his name stamped on everything. And, you know, what pride that is, man's pride. You know, and I just thought, here's Nineveh that uh, Jonah was told to by the Lord to go to, but we're going to see that he didn't go. Uh, in Matthew, the great commission of the Lord is for you and I to go into the whole world and preach the gospel, you know, starting right in our own home and surrounding area and to the uttermost part of the earth, baptizing everybody in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the thing that the Lord has really put on my heart recently is I've been sleeping. I have been sleeping. And I don't want to sleep anymore. I went to a couple camps this summer, Christian camps, and it was awesome. Because the Lord really got a hold of me when I went away from my comfortable surroundings into a camp setting where you're stretched a little, you're tired, you have to be doing all different things. And the Lord really spoke to my heart. And I relate to Jonah a lot with um, running from the presence of the Lord, knowing what the Lord wants me to do, but continue to go in the opposite direction. So, as we have the truth in us and the peace of God in us, are we bringing it to others? So anyway, he's told to go to this great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me, being God. Now, the cool thing about God's Word is that it is relative to today. We live in Nineveh. There's wickedness all around. We don't have to go far. You know, we can go right in our workplace. We don't have to look around to our neighborhood, but we can go there too. We can go in our school systems, whether it's public, private, or Christian schools, doesn't matter. There's wickedness abounding all through the world. So we can relate to these people. If you want to take it right to a Bin Laden and put it in, in that frame of mind where Jonah had to go to preach to, like, the king of Nineveh who was like a Bin Laden, hey, put it there because that's just what he had to do. And like... Us, we know that God is merciful, that he forgives sinners because he's forgiven us, and we know we're sinners. I don't think anybody will want to get up here and give your top three sins. You know, that's between you and the Lord. You know, we know we're sinners. So we can relate to a sinful world. That's why God has us here. He's pulled us out to separate us, to go like Jonah into the world. So 
The next thing that's so cool about this verse and I, or this uh, book, you know, so many people think it's a whale of a tale. It's a fishy story. You know, they have a hard time reeling it in and trying to really get into it. You know what I'm saying? So they just get lost in it. Well, if you've ever dug into the Bible, and I've known many of you have, you've scaled this thing. You know it. You've got a hold of it, and you know the Lord can use the truths in here. We recently just came back from um, a trip to Hawaii. We were married there back in 1980, and we went back this past summer, and we brought our daughter Ashley with us. And flying over, I was on the aisle seat, and right across from me was this woman, and we found out she was a born-again Christian, so it was real cool. We had a a stopover in L.A., and um, this guy got on and sat next to the woman. As the plane's taken off, the woman was sharing with me, she always tries to read the Psalms when the plane is taken off and when it's landing because she finds comfort in the Psalms. So sure enough, she took out her Bible, she took to the Psalms, and I was just watching the guy next to her. And he started chuckling. He started laughing. And um, about two, three minutes later, he goes to the lady, he goes, you don't really believe what you're reading in that book. And the lady goes, you mean the Bible? I believe every single word of it. He goes, come on, there's no way. He goes, you believe that whole story about the, uh, the guy who was swallowed by the big fish? And he goes, oh, you mean, or she goes, you know, Jonah? He goes, yeah, Jonah. He goes, I can't believe that a man could be swallowed by a fish. The lady, really cool, calm, replies, well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah about it. The guy goes to her, but wonder if he's not there. The lady turns to him and says, well, then you can ask him. So Jonah in verse three runs away from the Lord. It says that Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now, Tarshish means yellow jasper. What do you think about right away with a yellow jasper? I think of a jewel, uh, something precious, something expensive, something attractive. So it's pretty interesting that he was headed for Tarshish and then he went down to Joppa. And the word Joppa means beautiful. Now, we say the name itself, boy, it sounds great. But you have to remember that these areas are totally opposite from the direction that the Lord told Jonah to go. The Lord has told all of us as believers to be a light, to be an imitator of Christ, to go into the world to save the lost. Many times I have gone the other way. I've been pulled to um, a yellow jasper place. I've been pulled to a beautiful place that's away from where the Lord wanted me to go. I allowed my senses to be attracted to that way rather than to obey my commander-in-chief, my Lord and my Savior. And I've had to repent from that. I've had to change my ways, but it's been a, a rugged road in changing those ways. I've gone through a lot of struggles and battles to do that. So continuing in verse 3, it says, Where he found a ship bound for that port. Isn't it like the enemy, the devil, to always provide a vehicle to take us to a place opposite 
where God wants us to be. And sometimes it is a beautiful place. In and of itself, it might not be bad. But we know that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So how many times can he try to deceive us? And the thing that really hit me this summer was um, this church, Calvary Chapel, supports the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So we've gone, I went to two FCA camps. That's what uh, FCA stands for, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. One was in New Hampshire, one was right here in Kutztown, Pennsylvania. And the theme was game ready. Spiritually, are you, am I, game ready for the battle that's going on 24-7, 365. Me, not always conscious and aware of the 24-7-365. I should be, but I'm not. The enemy does not take time off. He takes advantage of every single situation because he's an intense, serious enemy, seeing how many people he can take down because he knows his time is short. We know that from God's Word. How serious are we? Seriously, that's a serious question. How serious are we? I know at times I don't take it serious, and I've been praying to the Lord, having my face in the book more, that I would keep that intensity that God has put on my heart the past couple of months. And there's some things that have taken place just in the last month that has really just confirmed what the Lord has been trying to show me. So I I'm just praying, and I know that the Lord will also show you through some of my experiences, but more importantly, through his word. So he found that ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare, he went down aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. He paid the fare. I don't have to ask for a show of hands how many of us have paid the price for going opposite the Lord. You know, paying a a fare. That was way too expensive. We know maybe the guilt, the heartache, uh, maybe physical, definitely spiritual scars that have been caused as a result of us running from the presence of the Lord. And the Lord is so awesome because where can we go to flee from his presence? That's how stupid I am that I actually think that I could flee from God's presence. And of course... The song uh, that comes from Psalm 139, 7 through 12, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. And praise God for that, that no matter where we in our human silliness goes, the Lord's there and he is faithful even when we're not. And he pulls us out of that muck and mire and darkness and always puts us back in the light. And that is so awesome. And that's what he has done for me. I know he's done it for you. 
And I know it's something, the title of, uh, Josh had called today about the title, and it's diving deeper. Diving deeper into the Lord's um, presence. And I have an illustration I'll get to in a couple minutes about something that happened when we were in Hawaii, when we went scuba diving. And that's where the Lord really spoke to my heart on that particular uh, excursion. Okay, let's look at Jonah 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. The Lord is awesome. His patience, His long-suffering, His grace, His mercy is so great because He will use any means possible to get our attention. And even though He may bring storms into our life, It's to bring us safely into port. It's to bring us safely home. Sometimes things happen in our life, and we're all old enough to know there's been turmoil, there's been trials, there's been tribulations that come in our life and shake us up. And how many times have those trials and tribulations put us back on our knees? This is one case that we see with this man named Jonah. This storm came, but it's so cool because when a storm comes in somebody else's life, it affects the people around you. And it affected a a boat full of pagan, non-real God-fearing men. And even though Jonah was running from the presence of the Lord, Romans 8.28, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So even though Jonah's purpose was wrong, God could make everything right and work miracles in in midst of that, in spite of Jonah. Psalm 107, verses 25 to 31, says, Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, His wonderful deeds in the deep. For He spoke and He stirred up a tempest, that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, And he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. I wonder the effect of that storm on those men. We can see some of it as we continue in the story. But just for a second, think about you and me. Think about the storms maybe we're going through today. Think about some of the things that are going in our life and how many times because we're in the midst of the storm, we don't see what the Lord wants to do. It's only after we go through it that we actually see God's hand in it. How about we try to right now, if we're going through something, to say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to show me here? Is it something maybe that I'm fleeing from your presence in some area? Or maybe, when Jesus, like when Jesus sent the apostles across the lake 
And he stayed on the one side for a while to go up on the mountain to pray. He knew a storm was coming. And he sent him out there anyway. But remember, one of the things he did in that, one of Jesus' purpose was to strengthen his apostles for what was still going to come down the road. As a coach for the past 33, 34 years, one of the things we always do in preseason is we really condition our guys. You know, we almost we bring them to the point of death and then we pull them back. But the whole purpose is to make them mentally and physically stronger. I mean, our military is based on that boot camp. You know, they're trying to break the guys down and then build them back up so they can handle the rigors of war and the stuff that's coming on. Hey, well, our Jesus, our commander, our warrior king, he's making us tougher all the time through the very circumstances that are in our our lives. And we see this in this particular story of Jonah. And the other verse that really came up to me is the, the Lord disciplines those he loves. You're not illegitimate children that the Lord is not going to show his love to you by disciplining you sometimes. And, you know, we're all got, we're, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. There's going to be hard times on both non-believers and believers. But God has a purpose through it all. If we go down to verse five, all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And in your Bible, it's a small g. And, of course, any God that's not the real God is a small g. They're meaningless. And I heard a guy one time, he was a Vietnam vet. He, uh, napalm bomb blew up on one of his missions. Ninety percent of his body was burned. His eyelids were burned off. Most of his fingers were burned off. Went through a massive rehab. He goes around the world... Um, teaching what the Lord did through him. And he said something I'll never forget. I saw him about 20 years ago. He said, when you're in a foxhole and the God that you are believing in isn't there, find another God. And this is what happened to these men on this ship. They were crying out to their own God. Many people assume that they can be put in off doing God's business until they choose a better time to do it. But it's very presumptuous to think that in the moment of crisis, we can just call upon the true God if we have not dealt with him before. And so many people who don't have that true relationship with the Lord that we can bring them. How many times, I mean, at funerals, people going through uh, illnesses, they'll ask you to pray for them or they'll be praying. And you have an opportunity to come alongside of them and maybe just share the love of God or just, or just be still and just be praying for them while they're going through this. Well, the sailors are going through this and they're praying, but their God isn't listening. Nothing's happening. The storm's getting worse as they pray. So they started to say, what do we do now? And if we look at the uh, next verse, in verse 6, oh, I'm sorry, uh, verse 5, they threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. So now they're trying to toss things over because they're afraid that the uh, ship is going to capsize. Right away, what the Lord said to me is, hey, Vin, 
What are the loads, the cargo, that you're holding on to that's preventing me from working more in your life? From, from you diving deeper in your relationship with me? I don't know if anybody here has snorkeled before. I know you've all swam, swam in a pool or, you know, whatever, maybe with a mask on. But when you do that, you're just below the surface. And if you do it in the beautiful waters like a Hawaii, you're seeing all these things as you just put your head in the water. You see another world, and it's beautiful. But after a certain point, if it's deep enough, you're not seeing everything that's down there. You're only seeing what's in the maybe 10 feet um, under the surface of the water. The Lord showed me there was a lot of cargo that I was holding on to. And I needed to throw it overboard in order for him to reveal himself more to me. And you might be asking yourself, well, Lord, what cargo do I have? You might know what the cargo is. You know what I'm saying? Or you might not know, but there might be something hindering you diving deeper into that relationship with the Lord. This is the part I love, and this is the part I can relate to. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. Notice the direction Jonah's going. He's going down. And whenever I run away from the presence of the Lord, you can best believe I'm going down. I'm definitely going down. And I'm going into a dark, deep place that I don't want to go to. And I don't hear the Lord like I would hear Him if I was right next to Him. And none of us like that spot. And some of us have been there maybe too many times and we want to admit. But I'm here to encourage you that the Lord is calling us back to a deeper relationship with Him because of the so many important and serious things that are going on around us with all the pagan people who are going down in the ship that's called this world. And we need to be alert and not asleep. Now, here's Jonah going down into the ship, and he's falling asleep. And I'll tell you, this is, this is something that I can relate to. I'm going to relate this to myself, and if it's related to you, not awesome, but do something about it, because here's me right now. Not right now, thank God, but a little while ago. Jonah slept in a place where he hoped no one else would see him. Sometimes I like to hide out in church. I'm a sleeping Christian. I like to hide out. I like to be there, but hide out. Second, Jonah slept in a place where he could not help with the work that needed to be done. I can relate to that too as a sleeping Christian. I stay away from the work of the Lord sometimes. I flee from what God's calling me to do. Jonah slept while there was a prayer meeting up on the deck. And I know me, sometimes I'm a very sleeping, praying Christian. That's probably an oxymoron. Sleeping Christian who isn't praying enough. I can definitely relate to that. Jonah slept and had no idea of the problems around him. And as a sleeping Christian, sometimes I'm calloused to the problems that are going around me, whether it be in our church, whether it be in the school where I work, whether it be right in my family. 
Jonah slept when he was in great danger. Boy, how many times that the Lord has allowed me to live, physically stay alive, when I was a sleeping Christian in danger and didn't even know it by what I was doing, what I was thinking, what I was saying. And Jonah slept while the heathen needed him. And as a sleeping Christian, so many times I was snoozing while the world needed a message and a testimony that I had. You've got to remember, Jonah followed and worshipped the one true God. He had the answer to everything that was going on above him and around him. Jonah, like me, has shown a lack of love for the people that God has put in his path or my path. Jonah was compromising to God's word. Didn't follow it. Followed parts of it, not all of it. Because if you read the book of Jonah, you see that he tells them later on, hey, I have a fear of the Lord. So he believed in God. He, he stood up at certain times, but he also compromised. Corrupt? Was Jonah corrupt? Well, I know I'm corrupt when I'm not obeying what the Lord wants me to do. My heart is wicked. I don't want you to know it. And I know that God knows it. And I'm ashamed. And thank God He has cleansed me and given me a new heart. Am I dead? I think of the churches in Revelation. They're not only some of the characteristics of the churches that I'm covering right now too, but they're also the characteristics of the individuals in the world. Am I dead? Sometimes, yes. Spiritually, I'm dead because I'm not hooked in to the giver of life. Am I lukewarm sometimes? Absolutely. No doubt about it. And I know what God does with lukewarm people. Am I faithful? Yep. I'm faithful sometimes too. When I repent from all those other things, I'm faithful and I'm right on with the Lord. Well, the sailors, going back down to six, the captain approached him and said, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up. Call to your God and maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. The world is running out of answers. Great time to be alive for you and me. Because we have the only answer. They can do everything they want, but nothing is going to satisfy. We have the only answer. We have to pray, keep our face in the book, that God will give us that opportunity to open up our mouth and open up the heart of that unsaved and their ears to listen to what the Lord has to tell them. His Word is there. And opportunities will come because God is a loving God, doesn't want anybody to perish, and He will present opportunities for all of us. But are we going to be sleeping? I think of how many people I probably could have touched in my days if I wasn't a sleeping Christian during those times. And I pray that God will restore the day that the locust destroyed. I pray that in the remaining days that He would triple His Spirit on me, on you, that will make up for all that lost time. Because only God can do that. I can't. I'd be just drowning in a pity party 
if I try to go back and fix everything that was wrong. So I just count on the Lord, keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, and let Him work the rest out. Verse 7, Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots. Then we will know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. And it's so awesome with the Lord again, because our sin will find us out. And that's the grace of God, isn't it? That He will reveal our sins. That we can now put it out before Him and ask for forgiveness and then move on. That is a great thing. That is an awesome thing. So now as I wrap this up, we're on a scuba diving boat. The last time I scuba dived was 1980. Okay? So now we're scuba diving in 2007. Now there's going to be a lot of analogies between this and Christianity. So here we're going out on the boat. And we're going out about, I want to say a mile offshore. Last time I scuba dived, we were maybe 100 yards offshore. So what do you think of right away, a mile away? I'm thinking jaws. I'm thinking like 90-foot sharks. I'm thinking of squids, like giant squids, like in the horror movies, that kind of stuff. I'm thinking of all that stuff. So there's a man. He's a guide. He's a helper of the captain that comes down. He has a cool portfolio book. He keeps showing all the equipment. I am zeroed in. I'm like this. I'm listening to every word I'm repeating. As a teacher, I'm repeating questions back to him, so I'm learning more. Ashley's just sitting next to me. It was only Ashley and I, and there was um, a bunch of people who were more advanced divers. Now, our goal that day was to go 40 feet. 1980, we went maybe uh, 6 feet, maybe 10 feet. Okay, so just think of the pool. Okay, it wasn't a, nothing to boast about. So now we're going to go 40 feet down. On the way out, we make a stop because there's a wreck down there. But the wreck is 100 feet. They're not going to let us do this. But they're going to let the more advanced people do it. So these people go down. But what they let Ashley and I do is we get to snorkel. So we're snorkeling around. And we just see a dark black image of this wreck that's down there. And every once in a while, we'll see a scuba diver. And it was really cool. And, and we're seeing these bubbles. So... We're having the bubbles hit us. I'm taking uh, the underwater camera, taking pictures of Ashley swimming through the bubbles. So that was the neat thing there. So no problem. Piece of cake. We get back on the boat. The guy starts showing us the stuff. So he's telling us everything. He goes, when we get in the first of all, he's showing us a tank. We're holding it. It's really heavy. And I don't know if you've ever scuba dived, but we have to put on these uh, suits. Like some of us in here, we went to whitewater rafting, and you have to put on the frogman suits. That's real tight. So as soon as you put it on, you're like this. And then you have to put on these um, tanks, and they're real heavy. So as soon as you're like this, and then you put on the tanks, you're like this. And you have to try to walk with the flippers on. So you feel like a frog out of water, I guess, because you can't move. When you get in the water, it's a different story. So I'm paying attention. I'm listening. He's telling us what he's going to do. He's going to get us in the water just a few feet under. We're going to just learn to breathe. He wants us to... Um, take our mask and allow water to come up to our eyelids underwater, like five feet under. And then we have to blow the nose, and believe it or not, the water disappears. Okay, so right away, this is 
I'm not liking taking the mask off, but I'm jumping ahead. I get off the boat. Ashley is in. She's holding on to a guide rope. The guy's making sure she's okay. I get in, and I'm, and I'm on the um, tank, and my face is only about this far in the water, and I'm breathing. And I'm worried I'm going to run out of air. Honestly, I'm only like this deep. I feel I'm going to run out of air. I'm getting a mental block, so I'm being real cool. I'm saying, well, listen, I've played ball. I'm a coach. I can overcome this. I've got to relax. Lord, I'm just trusting in you. I go back in the water. I'm starting to have a panic attack. I've never had a panic attack that I can remember. But I do a lot of denial stuff in my life, so I might have had one. But this was like a real major one. So I'm having a hard time. So what I'm doing, I'm trying to fight it. So I go back in and I'm going, I'm doing short breaths. So I'm going, <laughs> and you know what happens there. You get dizzier and, and lighter. So now I grab on to the the um, rope that's on the boat. So I'm holding it. Now, you've got to remember the tank. Meanwhile, Ashley's about 10 feet under now. She's going down to the 40 feet. I'm not even in like six feet yet. So I'm holding on. Now the boat is going up and down. Okay, it's going up and down. Now, I'm like five minutes doing this, going up and down. I don't find out till about three weeks later how I hurt my arm. Like I'm still sore back here and here. And I thought it was from pitching because Ashley plays softball. But it's from this. I'm hurting myself because I'm fighting the boat. I'm fighting going down. I'm fighting the boat. And I'm stretching this. I, look. Look at the difference. So anyway, we go down into the water. And now I have a lot of pressure. The pressure, the pain in my ears as I'm going down. It's killing me. So you have to blow and hold. So it's taken me, honestly, it takes me 15 minutes to get down to the 40 feet. Ashley's swimming around. I see a turtle. She's, she's literally swimming, and the turtle is looking at her, and she's looking at the turtle. So now I say, the heck with this. I've got to get my camera, and I'm taking a picture. When I started watching Ashley and taking the picture of her, I started to relax more. The cool thing was the helper that gave me the instructions on the manual up on the boat, he was right with me holding on to my shoulder, guiding me down. Tremendous comfort during this whole ordeal. We were down there about 45 minutes. Ashley was down 30 or more feet for probably 35 of those minutes. Figure I was about the first six feet for about 30 minutes. And I had the bottom for the last 15. So I did have fun for the last 15 once I was down there. But here's the analogy. I pay attention to the helper on the boat because I was fearful of what was coming. But I don't pay attention to the helper who's the Holy Spirit because I'm not fearful or concerned of what's coming to this world. And even to me, if I'm not walking in tune with the Lord. Why would I be so concerned physically with the scuba diving, yet not with my spiritual journey with the Lord? Second analogy. I had to trust the helper. I had to trust the tank. The tank was my lifeline, was my air source. 
Jesus is our lifeline. He's our air source. When I started really relying on the tank and not taking the short breaths and just breathing as deep as I wanted, I started relaxing. I found out in the past month, as I bury my face in God's Word, there's a whole new dimension, there's a whole new depth that God's revealing to me. I've been a surface Christian so long. It wasn't until I'm starting to really learn to rely on God's Holy Spirit and get my face in the book every morning and just keep meditating on what He's saying that I'm starting to see like I did in the ocean when I got down deeper. I was seeing things that I couldn't see in that first five or six feet. The Holy Spirit is becoming more real to me than ever before. And it's so cool. He is so awesome as He's leading me to a deeper relationship with Jesus. So I want to encourage you here tonight. For me, keeping my face in the book, praying without ceasing for anybody that I see, bombarding my head with Christian music, whatever I can do, 24-7-365. And here's the thing that I used to do that I just started doing again. The Lord will wake you up and me up at certain times of the night because He knows that's the best time to go one-on-one with you. And I used to fight it. Now I just get up or I put on my iPod and listen to a scripture or whatever. Don't fight. That was how sometimes I would flee from the presence of the Lord. It's not like he's telling me to go to Tarshish. But it's an opportunity for me to draw closer to him and he'll draw closer to me. But I run from him. One other thing as we finish is a wild thing. As we're going down the 40 feet. At about 20 feet, this guy comes down, doesn't have a tank on, no tank. So I figure he's just diving 20 feet, popping up. Well, we go down to about 30 feet. About 30 seconds later, this guy is down at 30 feet. And I'm not, I'm, it's like blowing my mind because he has no apparatus. He doesn't have a tank on. He has a pair of flippers and he has a mask. That's it. Okay, I say he's got a surface. So we're going down another couple minutes. We're on the floor. Ashley and I have a picture of us standing on the 40-foot floor. This guy comes down still without any tank. They give you a little um, uh, board that's waterproof so you can communicate like help or whatever. So I pull it out and I write on it, how the heck are you staying down here this long without any equipment? The guy grabs it from me. He erases it. And he goes, you idiot, I'm drowning. That's fine. That's a joke. Didn't really happen. The point being, the point being, I'll let it sink in a second. All around us, all around us, there are people drowning spiritually, And physically, when they leave this earth for eternity, are we just going to let them go by us as we take in everything that God is blessing us with? I don't think so. 
I think as we get deeper down and dive deeper in our relationships with Jesus, that we'll have more and more opportunities and see the miracles of the Lord take place. And that's my prayer for you and for all Christians throughout the world, that we are really in tune with what the Holy Spirit wants to do through us today. Let's pray.